welcome to PCOM Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Jay Feldstein, and today we're talking with Dr. Brian Balin, Professor of Neuroscience and Neuropathology, Chair of Biomedical Sciences, and Director of the Center for Chronic Disorders of Aging, whose work focuses on discovering and targeting pathogens that may trigger the onset of Alzheimer's disease. Dr. Balin has published and presented extensively on the pathology of Alzheimer's disease. This theory, shared by a growing number of researchers worldwide, is gaining traction among the research community and beyond. Welcome, Dr. Balin. Thank you, Dr. Feldstein. With World Alzheimer's Day happening this month, what can you tell us about the state of Alzheimer's research currently? And why have previous treatments failed to have any success? Well, it's a really good question at this point in time. Um, the interesting part about Alzheimer's research is that there have been great uh, breakthroughs with understanding some of the basic science components of Alzheimer's disease and the pathology that evolves in brain tissues of individuals with the disease. Uh, but the frustrating part has been that the approach to treating effectively these individuals has failed. And it's failed because the the focus has been on trying to rid the brain of the pathology that accumulates instead of actually focusing on the triggering mechanisms for that pathology. So in essence, the pharmaceutical companies have run over 450 trials uh, based on the amyloid hypothesis for the most part, which is one of those pathologies, and those have failed. And recently this week, there were uh, two other trials that were announced uh, as failures by uh, two companies. The frustrating part for us is that these companies now are deciding that they want to get out of uh, research in neurodegenerative diseases, in particular Alzheimer's, because they don't see an endpoint. And uh, they are not looking where we have suggested them to look. Okay. Your hypothesis states that a pathogen, specifically chlamydia pneumonia, could be responsible for triggering the onset of Alzheimer's. Can you talk about how you came to that theory and how it differs from others that until now have been more popular? Yes, we came to this theory about chlamydia pneumonia. By the way, this is a chlamydia organism that is not the sexually transmitted form of the disease of chlamydia trachomatis causes sexually transmitted disease. Chlamydia pneumonia is a respiratory pathogen. It's ubiquitous in our environment. When we discovered this in Alzheimer brain tissues, it was through a lot of serendipity. Uh, the issue arose uh, in the mid-1990s about this organism in, and its involvement with cardiovascular disease, actually, and, and the generation of atherosclerosis. And people were looking at it that way. Well, my background uh, from my graduate school days was in the blood-brain barrier, and so I always was studying the, the, what was happening in the bloodstream of individuals that uh, were normal as well as abnormal. And so when we uh, found out about this particular work with chlamydia pneumonia, a few of us decided to look in Alzheimer brain tissues for presence of the organism by doing a molecular uh, analysis using polymerase chain reaction. And by doing that in a blinded fashion, we found evidence for this infection in the brain. And so then 
we decided that this could be a very important issue because this is a pathogen. It is a it is a intracellular bacterium that acts like a virus, but it's actually a bacterium that once it's inside of our cells, it's very difficult to get rid of. If it's in the brain, we believe that it generates inflammation, and it's the inflammation that damages the nerve cells, leading to the pathology that we see in this process, process of Alzheimer's disease. This differs from most other work that's been ongoing in the Alzheimer arena, where the focus, again, has been on more of the pathology, thinking that the pathology actually causes the problem. This has never made sense to many of us in um, uh, this area of research, and hasn't made sense because you are, are missing the upstream events if you only focus on the pathology that is the evolving uh, process, not the initiating process. So we believe that this organism, the presence of this organism in brain tissue, actually could be a trigger for cellular change uh, that leads to the problem. What's also really interesting here is that this is a respiratory organism. And being a respiratory organism, meaning that it, will, it is inhaled into our bodies, that we are now insulting a very vulnerable site of our bodies, and that is the site for the acquisition for sense of smell, the olfactory cells that are in our noses. And we have found that when they become infected, that this organism can actually now go into the brain to the specific areas of the brain where Alzheimer's disease starts and bypass the blood-brain barrier. So it, it means that we have ready access into the brain through the sense of smell. How long have researchers been studying this, Lincoln, and why do you think it's only just now that this idea is gaining traction? The infectious components of Alzheimer's disease actually were thought about from the day of Alzheimer, uh, back to 1907, the early 1900s. Uh, Alzheimer himself was looking at neurosyphilis as one of the processes leading to dementia in a number of his patients. Uh, the other person that was considering this, his name was Oscar Fisher, also a neuropathologist that found evidence for amyloid plaques and tau tangles in brain tissues, very similar to what Alzheimer found. And Oscar Fisher actually thought that this could be what was called at the time actinomycetes, or an organism very similar to the mycobacterium tuberculosis organism causing TB. And they at that time were proposing that this could be an infectious process. Over the time of um, uh, history of or decades later in the, uh, I would say in the late 1960s, early 1970s, people started coming back to this idea looking for infectious components but found nothing that actually correlated to presence in the brain. In the late 1980s, there started to be publications um, uh, coming out on evidence for, for Borrelia organisms causing, which can cause Lyme disease, for herpes simplex virus 1, which causes cold sores, and then other viruses uh, being identified in human brain tissues. In the mid-1990s, 
we, uh, through a lot of serendipity, came into the uh, findings that we had with chlamydia pneumonia in this disease process, and we've been studying this ever since. There's been slow acceptance, though, as to how these organisms actually cause the problem. Part of that slow acceptance is that um, in order to prove that an infectious agent causes uh, a disease, we traditionally have used what's called Koch's postulates. And Koch's postulates are a way of defining how an infection in the body can actually lead to cellular change and then a disease process. When we have chronic diseases that take years and years to develop in us, it's very difficult to associate an infection on board to what has happened over a period of time. So based on those types of, of understanding and the inability to really address what Koch's postulates actually suggest we need to do to prove an infection causes a disease, a lot of researchers, clinicians, etc., have refused to accept that infection is a component until recently. And in recently, because of all the failures in the Alzheimer arena for uh, drug, uh, drugs that have been developed to act against the pathology, people now are looking backwards to what we've been saying for at least 20 to 25 to 30 years, that no, you need to look at triggering mechanisms of the process, of which infections are one. This has led to a whole new uh, theory about the uh, genetics and the environment interactions. Uh, nature versus nurture, in essence. And, and there's a, a current theory that was just published by Caleb Finch called the exposome theory, suggesting that we need to look in our environment of what we're exposed to in addition to what our genetic backgrounds are as individuals as to how that plays into disease causation. And the exposome would take into effect infection, pollution, brain trauma, exercise, uh, prior chronic conditions in an individual. So both exogenous and endogenous components that could lead to the process. Sounds like an osteopathic holistic philosophy of disease. <laughs> yes, it, it fits perfectly with us doing this work at uh, PCOM. Uh, and an osteopathic approach, and exactly uh, what we need to consider in order to make inroads into the real problem. So where would you classify the state of your research right now? Are you looking at any agents to prevent or treat Alzheimer's, or are you still working on, at, from a pathology etiology perspective? We're doing a bit of both. Uh, currently, we are looking at how the infection really is using the olfactory system to get into our brains. So we have, um, uh, I'm working on currently a proposal to the NIH uh, about the infectious etiology of Alzheimer's disease with this particular organism. So we are approaching our studies that way. In addition, we're working on development of a clinical trial approach where we would use an antibiotic uh, type of process to try to uh, treat individuals that are showing earliest signs of disease, where they demonstrate a titer to chlamydia pneumonia in their bloodstreams, in other words, a, 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 
a serotiter, which shows that they would have antibodies to the organism. And uh, using that as a criterion to now uh, identify those individuals that now start to undergo either mild cognitive impairment or newly diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, put them on an antibiotic trial where we would use a combination antibiotic approach against this organism to see if we could actually correct the problem or treat the problem effectively. So we're in the development right now of a trial of that nature. Fascinating work that you're doing, it really is. Do you have any questions for me? Yes, well, uh, one of the questions, Dr. Feldstein, is that uh, as an alumnus of PCOM, um, can you talk about the way the students of today are educated on neurodegenerative diseases versus in your day of education? And so when we go back to the Stone Age when I was uh, <laughs> educated, the, the neurodegenerative diseases were really just a component of pathology. There really were not specific courses on neurodegenerative diseases. And Alzheimer's and MS and Parkinson's were, were just part of a the pathology lecture, Alzheimer's is one form of dementia, and there really was not a lot of focus on them as chronic diseases per se. I think the way it's changed over the last several years is these set of conditions are really looked at as chronic diseases. And, you know, with Alzheimer's really becoming, quite frankly, epidemic and the increased incidence of Parkinson's, uh, I think we need to spend a lot more of attention to them. Uh, from a clinical perspective as well, uh, because there's not enough neurologists around, quite frankly, to treat Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. And I think primary care physicians need to be much more astute in, and be much more comfortable taking, their, taking care of these conditions in a primary care setting today. I think that's a really good point. Um, do you think that as we go forward in time, as our population is aging and the uh, where every year we have more and more centenarians, that this is going to affect our healthcare system to the point of bankruptcy, that it's going to, if we don't make inroads at this point in time, that our system won't be able to handle this. I agree with you 100%. And, you know, from my experience in my insurance years, if we don't come up with a really good solution, it will bankrupt the system. Yeah. Not only will it bankrupt the system financially, it will overburden the system from a resource standpoint. We just won't have enough people to take care of people with neurodegenerative diseases, especially Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. And the toll on caregivers alone will just be immeasurable. So we need you to come up with the cure, Dr. Bailey. <laughs> well, and in that respect, um, I wanted to mention that this isn't done by one person alone. I have a team of people here at PCOM with Drs. Appelt and Little and Chris Hammond, and at times Dr. Hingley as well, just internally. And we have others collaborating with us externally as well, especially the Hudson Group uh, from Detroit, uh, that together we are trying to make this difference. And it does take a group of people. It cannot be done by one individual alone. I just want to thank you, Dr. Ballon, for joining us today. Alzheimer's continues to be an elusive disorder to treat. However, innovative approaches such as Dr. Ballon's may one day hold the key to successful slowing and ultimately prevention of the disease. To listen to past episodes of this podcast, 
and become a subscriber, visit our SoundCloud page or find us on iTunes by searching Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. I'm Jay Feldstein, and this has been PCOM Perspectives.